Good morning, welcome to worship. I am Caleb Spiker, uh, lead pastor here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Grove City. I am glad that we can worship together here this morning. Uh, worship the God who hears us every time we call out, who knows us intimately and cares about every detail of our lives. The prophet Zechariah writes these words. So I shepherded the flock that was intended for slaughter the afflicted of the flock. And I took two staffs for myself. I named one delight and I named the other harmony. And I shepherded the flock. I removed three shepherds in one month when I grew impatient with them. And moreover, they detested me. Then I said, I won't shepherd you. I'll let the dying die and let what is to be removed be removed. Let those who are left devour the flesh of their neighbor. And then I took the staff delight and I chopped it up in order to break my covenant that I had made with all the peoples. It was broken on that day, and as a result, the afflicted of the flock knew that it was the Lord's word. And I said to them, if it appears good to you, give me my wages, but if not, then stop. So they weighed out my wages, 30 shekels of silver. And the Lord said to me, put it in the treasury. They value me at too magnificent a price. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and I put them in the treasury of the Lord's house. Then I chopped up my second staff, Harmony, to break the alliance between Judah and Israel. And then the Lord said to me, take for yourself again the equipment of a foolish shepherd, because I am about to appoint a shepherd in the land and he won't tend to those who've been removed. He won't seek the young or heal the broken. He won't sustain the one standing. Instead, he will devour the flesh of the fat ones, even tearing off their hooves. Doom the foolish shepherd who forsakes the flock. A sword will strike his arm and his right eye. His arm will wither completely. His right eye will become blind. The prophet Zechariah is speaking about the kings of Israel who will fail the people who will fail in their call to shepherd the flock, to shepherd in a way that is kind, in a way that is just, in a way that demonstrates the mercy and the love of God. The shepherd imagery is used throughout the Bible. It's, it's one of the images that the biblical authors like the best to talk about the relationship of God and his people. And not only God and his people, but those who God appoints to lead his people. As we move through John chapter 10 today, uh, Jesus is talking about shepherd imagery as well. And as we move through John chapter 10, having passages like this one in Zechariah chapter 11 and Ezekiel chapter 34, these pictures of good and bad shepherds, shepherds who love the flock and care for the flock and look out for the flock's best interest as opposed to those who take advantage of the flock and who use the flock for their own purposes. It should be at the forefront of our minds because for the people who Jesus is speaking to and who John is writing to, this is the imagery that they are seeing. They understand that as, as John tells the story of Jesus and how Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, 
that this is standing in contrast to a long, long history of shepherds who failed the people, of shepherds who failed to show God's love and kindness in leading them into the future that God most prefers. So if you would, please pray with me. Almighty God, your son Jesus is our good shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture, his flock. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us such a good, good shepherd. One who is willing to leave the 99 to search out the one. One who does not fail to correct us when we need it. One who carries us in times of danger. Lord, we are those who have chosen to follow your son Jesus as our good shepherd. We are the sheep of his flock. We've been adopted from slavery to sin and death, and we are now your children. So Lord, with the confidence of your children, we pray the way that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So John chapter 10 drops us right in the middle of the action that's begun in John chapter 9. If you remember in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are uh, walking and they come across a man who's been born blind. And the disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents who sinned so that he was born blind? And Jesus says it was neither this man nor his parents who sinned, but he was born blind so that the power of God could be displayed in him. In other words, sometimes bad stuff just happens, but even in the midst of hardship, God is working to display his love and his power and his grace in our lives. So anyway, the man who was born blind is healed and he goes to the temple so that he can be declared healed, he can be declared clean and worship in the temple. And when he's there, the Pharisees catch wind and they lose their ever-loving minds. They lose them. They start scrutinizing this man and his story. They bring his parents in and they, they scrutinize them. And it gets so bad, they eventually throw this man out of the temple. But Jesus finds him. And Jesus asks him, he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is now talking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Now the Pharisees were still standing right there. They heard all this and they said, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. And then chapter 10 begins. And we read these words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. 
but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of the stranger. And this is the figure of speech that Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things which he had been saying to them. And I don't blame them necessarily for not understanding. Because they had asked, are we blind? And he moves into this imagery of the sheep and shepherd. Why? Why doesn't Jesus finish out this first picture? Well, he, he kind of does. Because his the, the claim he makes to the Pharisees is that if you were blind, you would have no sin, but since you say, we see, your sin remains. Jesus is saying that because you claim to have the knowledge of God, but you don't, that's the problem. If you recognized that you were in need of help, if you recognized that you didn't get it, you would have no sin. You would be ready to receive the gift of the Son of Man. But because they thought they had it figured out, they couldn't receive the gift. So Jesus goes on to say, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. If the Pharisees were truly God's sheep, they would know the voice of Jesus. And they'd follow him. This is the picture. That those who hear the voice of Jesus and follow him are truly the children of God. That it's not about connection to some sort of uh, lineage through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's, it's not about the, uh, the deep knowledge of the Torah that every Pharisee would have had. It is simply, when you hear the voice of Jesus, do you follow him? And this becomes a really important question for us. When we hear the voice of Jesus, do we follow? Or do we make excuses? When we hear the voice of Jesus, do we drop everything that's in front of us and make that our highest priority? Or do we find a good justification for not doing what Jesus has called us to do? John continues that Jesus once again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who is not the owner of the sheep, 
sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now I have other sheep, which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, for they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. This is a pretty strong claim that Jesus is making here. That for those who desire to be connected to God, he is the only shepherd, the only one. Everyone who's come before, every other ideology, every other um, tribe, every other affiliation is a thief and a robber. But that those who are truly the people of God, they hear the voice of Jesus and they follow. Because he's the good shepherd. You know, we see this, this picture uh, drawn of, of good shepherd, bad shepherd. It reminds us of Zechariah chapter 11 and Ezekiel chapter 34 and these different images of, of hired hands who don't truly care about the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They care about getting paid. They care about eating, but they don't care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I am here because I care about the sheep. I care about the sheep. So much so that the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. One of the truly unique things about Christianity as opposed to other ideologies in the world is that we are wholly dependent on Jesus sacrificially dying on the cross so that we may be restored. Jesus isn't just, you know, a prophet. He's not just a philosophical leader. He's not just a teacher. But the death and resurrection of Jesus have true supernatural meta power for our world. That when Jesus dies, the world changes forever, fundamentally. When Jesus rises again, the world again changes forever, fundamentally. When Jesus ascends into heaven, when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the world is different because of his sacrificial, self-giving love that he gives to humanity. You know, sometimes it can be hard to truly believe that, that Jesus is really that much different than every other uh, world religious leader. Because we live in a world that has sold us on the claim 
that, you know, every religion is basically just going to the same place, just in a different, taking a different path to the same place. And that's just not the story of the Bible. The Bible tells us that Jesus is truly unique. That putting our trust in Jesus is truly different than putting our trust in the teachings of the Buddha or in uh, the prophecy of Muhammad or whoever else. Because what Jesus is offering is connection to the God of the universe. And the way he offers it is by offering himself, by sacrificing himself so that we might experience his great love and we might experience connection with the Father. If you've never received the gift that Jesus has given you, you know, today may be the day. It may be that God is inviting you, even here in this moment, to receive the special gift that Jesus offers of connection with him. So here for, for the next minute, um, you know, if, if you never have, uh, I encourage you to pray with the people who you are watching the service with this morning to say, you know, I want that gift. I want to know the peace and the power of God. And if this is an assurance that you already have, I encourage you to share amongst those who you are sitting with this morning what that's like, what it's like knowing that you are connected to the God of the universe, that ultimately everything is going to work out because you know and love and serve the God who holds the cosmos together and still cares about you. So if you don't find yourself this morning, connected to Jesus, if you have not received this gift, I encourage you, pray with those who are around you. Um, if everyone has, uh, you know, share about that experience together. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you have told us that we can trust you completely. And as we learn from the saints in our midst, we truly can. That you truly are good, that you truly care about us. You truly do have a way of making a way where there is no way. So Lord, for those who are putting their trust in you in a way they never have before, for those who are receiving the gift that you offer, Lord, we pray that they would that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit. That you would give them the special gift of conviction and endurance. That as things get hard, that they would be reminded of your great love. That they can pray in all seasons, at all times. And that you hear and listen and care. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
This evening I've been sitting out here uh, in the Trinity Garden where we are growing tomatoes and uh, strawberries and beans and radishes and lettuce and uh, broccoli and uh, what else I see? Peppers and all sorts of different things that we are going to be putting into the bags uh, as we harvest them uh, for the families that we've been serving during this season of COVID. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. You know, one of the things that we know about food insecurity is that it is particularly difficult to uh, get nutritious food um, so that we can cultivate food right here in our gardens and send it out is really exciting to me. And if you've been part of this ministry, either by uh, bringing food and putting it on the shelves behind the church or uh, taking the bags out um, or giving financially or even planting and watering the garden back here, I want to thank you because you are making a huge difference in people's lives. Um, if you want to get involved, you can uh, give on our website or you can uh, get a hold of me or someone else here on staff and we can, uh, we can point you in the direction of, of those who are, are most spearheading uh, this ministry. It is an incredible thing that the God of the universe invites us to know him and to participate in his mission in the world. It's incredible. Like, it, it is mind-boggling to think about it. That the God of the universe, who surely has the power to just make the world different, if God so chose, instead chooses to work with us. God chooses the long, slow, difficult path of working with humans rather than just as it is said, so it shall be. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be connected to God. It is exciting for God to work in our midst. It's exciting to see that the world gets bigger and more interesting the more closely we follow after Jesus. So my hope for us is that we would be the sort of sheep that can hear Jesus' voice and follow. Follow his voice, not follow the voice of, you know, the talk show host that gets us scared about what's uh, going on behind the scenes in the world. And not follow the voice of, you know, the newest self-help guru. Not even follow the voice of you know, me or Pastor Serena or, or someone else in the church, but, but to hear the voice of Jesus and to follow. If we can do that, there is no saying what, uh, what ultimately can be done in the midst of our community here. So now may our Lord Jesus Christ go near us to defend us, 
go before us to guide us, go behind us to forgive us, go above us to bless us, and live within us so we may love one another. He lives and he reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and even forevermore. Amen.